It's your Wednesday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Happy to be back for another day and a really good show. Coming up for you guys, uh, Chip Scoggin, Start Tribune columnist, joins me here in a little bit. It's been a newsy week for the Gopher football team, a newsy past few weeks, really, with everything going on. Joe Rossi, defensive coordinator, departing for Michigan State. A couple players uh, that were high high recruits, um, maybe looking elsewhere, so maybe going to sign elsewhere next week. A uh, bunch of transfer portal players coming in. It's a lot going on. Chip and I will get in, get in pretty deep on name, image, and likeness, what that means in modern college football, how it's impacting the Gophers. It, it's such a hot-button issue right now with, you know, with the NCAA proposing maybe some new rules down the road. So Chip and I will go pretty deep on why Joe Rossi maybe left um, and where the Gophers are headed from here in this new college football landscape. Chip and I will also get into Vikings quarterback stuff, and I'll get to that here in a minute again uh, before Chip and I talk about it, but uh, some news there as well. Got some Gopher basketball stuff towards the end of the show and a legendary coach uh, hanging it up after 2024. First, though, what I miss, you know, like I said, Vikings are going to Nick Mullins. Not a, not a surprise. Switching quarterbacks again. Nick Mullins is going to start Saturday's game against the Bengals. That was announced Tuesday by head coach Kevin O'Connell. He will become the fourth quarterback this season, the fourth in the last seven games, to start for the Vikings. You'll recall, of course, um, everything was going great. Kirk Cousins was having a really nice year. He had been the starting quarterback aside from one one game he missed from COVID, one game he missed because the Vikings were locked into a playoff spot for the last five and a half seasons. Then he hurts his Achilles against the Packers out for the season. Uh, Jaron Hall starts the next game. He gets hurt right away. Josh Dobbs comes in in relief, plays really well wins that game, wins the next game against the Saints, loses a couple, starts to lose his magic touch, gets relieved by Nick Mullins in that 3 nothing win over the Raiders this past week, and now here they are turning to Mullins. 7-6 and six on the season for the Vikings, still in good playoff shape. Like I said yesterday on the yesterday show, things could not have gone better aside from the terrible kind of aesthetic nature of that game um this past weekend they uh they got pretty much everything they could have hoped for out of opponents losing packers losing lions losing leaving a crack open to for them to even win the division if they win out they win the division because they've got two left with the lions and they're only two games behind in the division race um the rams lost the seahawks lost like everybody lost this week the vikings won so they've got plenty to play for if they just win two more games this season there's a very good chance they'll make the playoffs if they win two of those three against those division opponents down the stretch including one of those being a win over the Packers. If they split against the Lions and beat the Packers, they are almost a cinch to make the playoffs, even if they lose this week to the Bengals. So they've got a lot to play for, a lot going on down the stretch. So they turn to Nick Mullins. I want to take you on a little history tour before Chip and I talk a little bit more about that decision later on in the show. This, according to Pro Football, uh, Pro Football Reference, just looking it up, this will be the 42nd different starting quarterback um they have 41 quarterbacks of record listed in the pro football reference database right now a lot of quarterbacks have only started one game for the vikings including jaron hall josh freeman sean hill um, brooks bollinger some of these guys only one start two starts for a few of them things like that but 
42 different he'll be the 42nd different quarterback to start a game for the Vikings and of course Fran Tarkenton way up on that list um, with the most most games most starts Kirk Cousins number um, number three on that list by the way in terms of numbers of games he's been in in his career and quarterback record quarterback wins things like that 50 37 and one as a starter for the Vikings he's thrown for the third most yards things like that he is way up there on all-time leader lists but they have never had a season where they started four different quarterbacks. They've had a few where they started three, um, including I think the most recent one was probably the infamous um, 2013 season when Christian Ponder, Matt Castle, and yes, Josh Freeman got starts in that season. But this will be history. This will be the fourth quarterback to start for the Vikings in a season. They've never done that in their 60-plus years of history. Nick Mullins will be that guy. And I don't know what to expect from Mullins. Like I said, Chip and I will talk about that a little bit more. But it's just kind of startling that the Vikings are even in playoff position considering all this. And I don't know if it's a testament to you know being able to kind of win a lot of different ways, the, the greatness of their defense, some of the good work Dobbs did early, some of the way they've rebounded from that 1-4 and four start to, to make this a season the uh, you know the mediocrity of the NFC all those things swirling around to make this possible for them but this is quite a position to be in one more historical note that I came up with on this to kind of get us into the other story I wanted to get into in this uh, in this opening segment John Anderson gopher baseball coach retiring at the end of the 2024 season so that's this upcoming season they announced that on tuesday anderson will have been the head coach for 43 years by the time he hangs that up and i did did a little bit of the math um, mullins will be the 34th different starting quarterback for the vikings since john anderson took over as head coach of the vikings in 1981 34 different starting quarterbacks one head coach for the Gophers. Amazing, amazing run for John Anderson. The tons of success in the Big Ten. He had some major success in the NCAAs. This, you know, one of their best years wasn't that long ago, 2018. Went went deep in the playoffs, went to the Super Regionals before losing to the eventual College World Series champs. I think it was Oregon State that year. Quite a career for John Anderson. Always been a great guy to deal with. Um, always generous with his time. Just a legend over at the U, someone that is synonymous not just with Gopher baseball, but with Gophers athletics. So tip of the cap to 14, as they call him over there, tip of the cap to him on a on a great career. And, you know, one more to go. I'm sure he hopes that this season will uh, will go out with a bang. They've had some down years lately, um, you know, some, some seasons that don't live up to their standards of success. So I'm sure he is hoping to go out with a little bit more success uh, in then that final season. They'll be on the road a lot because they won't be able to play in U.S. Bank Stadium while new turf is being put in there, but they will have opportunities and they'll get to play in, uh, you know, play some outdoor games towards the end of the season at uh, at the new Siebert Field over at the U. So again, congrats to John Anderson and congrats to all 34 quarterbacks for the Vikings who have played during the John Anderson coaching era with the Gophers. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope, the anticipation, that incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino, let your story begin. 
Happy to be joined today by Star Tribune columnist Chip Scoggins. Um, a lot going on, Chip. Whenever whenever there's Gophers news, I tend to tend to hit up you and Randy Johnson really quick. I thought I'd give Randy a break this week. I mean, poor guy, the beat writer for the Gophers is like he's gone through a, an up and down season, then all of a sudden the off season, there's quarterback transfers, incoming, outgoing, things like that. It's just um, you know, lots going on with uh, with this program and. You know, you've got defensive coordinator leaving to go to Michigan State, um, players decommitting, transfer portal in and out. It, it's been newsy, Chip, has it not? Yeah, it has been very newsy. And I think, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that you're going to lose a coordinator every year, but with the portal being what it is and how prevalent it's become, this is going to be standard operating procedure every year. Guys are going to just come, come and go. And I guess old people like us have to get used to it as much as it sort of drives us crazy, uh, the fluidity of, yeah. of the sport right now and just college sports in general, the fluid nature of uh, athletes coming and going, whatever the sport is, it's, it's just how it is now with the portal. Joe Rossi was one that caught my eye, the Gophers defensive coordinator. I mean, a lot of the success with P.J. Fleck has to do certainly with Fleck's program building and some of what they did on offense, especially in 2019. But, you know, that thing really turned when Rossi took over the defense in 2018. And if you're looking for a side of the ball, that's been the most effective during flex tenure. And, you know, I guess some of that has to do with his philosophy and, you know, ball control and making it easier for a defense to be good. But man, Joe Rossi has been a lot of the, a lot of the success here, him going to Michigan state for a similar role. I'm, I'm wondering like what you make of that. And if, if there's insights into that, that you think factor into that decision. Yeah, I wrote before uh, the beginning of the 2023 season that the most important and the most impactful decision that P.J. Fleck has made in his seven years at uh, as the Gophers coach was to give Joe Rossi the, the full-time defense coordinator job because his impact on that defense after he replaced Rob Smith towards the end of that season, uh, I mean, it's you can just look at the stats and yeah. where they've ranked. They had a bad 2023 year. The entire program did. The entire team did. The defense took a major step back, but he's not a bad coach. He's a really good coach, and this is a tough loss for him. All that said, I'm not surprised um, that he left, and there's a number of factors. People are going to say, ah, the money. I think that had something to do with it, but you're you're narrowing the view, and you're not looking at the whole picture if you think that is. I don't think there's any friction whatsoever with PJ. Okay. I know they have a good relationship. PJ entrusted Joe to run his defense. PJ meddles with the offense. He doesn't meddle with the defense. He's an offensive guy. He's a former wide receiver. He left that defense up to Joe Rossi. They paid Joe Rossi. He was uh, made $1.15 million, the highest paid coordinator that program's ever had. But here are the factors that are undeniable. Like, I'm, I'm, I'd be shocked if it's not a couple hundred thousand dollar raise. Yeah, you would think so because the coordinator for Michigan State made like 1.2 almost last year. You think a new staff coming in, they might have a little bit more flexibility to go up from there. Yeah, and a new coach coming in from Oregon State who's highly respected. I I saw this morning that with his um, supplemental income, his salary is going to be 7.25 million. The head coach, Uh, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, so uh, so you're going to get a pay raise. Michigan State's NIL is far superior to the Gophers, far superior. So that helps you in that regard, which has become a big deal now. Recruiting base is better. You're starting over with a coach who's highly respected. 
So it's, it, I, I called it this morning. I was like, it's a fresh set of downs. Yeah. You're coming in, there's some security with building uh, something. Um, so you're going to have some time to do that. And it's, it's a unique time for PJ because this is, you know, he's going to be going into year eight. It went backwards this year. It, they yeah. took a step back and there's going to be uh, a lot of eyes on this program to see what they do coming off this season. And if, if it doesn't get better, and it's another rough season for him. What do you think the temperature in town is going to be around that program? And hot, so, like the chili, like Brewster's chili, yeah, it's going to be hot. Exactly. And so, I, I don't. I would be stunned if that's not part of the equation too for for Joe Rossi. So I think it's a number of factors, and he probably just wants another challenge. I mean, he was a finalist for Notre Dame, right? The Notre Dame defense coordinator two seasons ago. Right. Other programs have come in and tried to uh, hire him away. I thought his next step might be to be a head coach at a smaller, yeah, uh, at a smaller school, but. This doesn't surprise me. People look at this and say it's a lateral move. It's a lateral move in job title only, and that's it. But when you look at all the things, the factors that go into salary, NIL, recruiting, starting over with the new coach, I mean, those things check a lot of boxes for him. So I think you have to look at it. It's not just one thing why he's leaving. Uh, I think it's – you probably if you talked to him and he shared with you, I bet it was five or six things that factored into it. How does a school like Michigan State get so much better NIL? I get that they've had, you know, they've certainly under, you know, in some of their last 10, 15 years, their highs have been higher than the Gophers' highs most of those years. But, like, why? I'm just still trying to wrap my head around why the Gophers are so far behind and trying to catch up in this such an important, what's becoming such an important thing to college football and to college athletics, big time college athletics. It's all about boosters. And if you can get companies corporations that are tied to that university to, to we have millions of those here like what yeah yeah but that's that's the thing we uh corporations the fortune 500 companies that we hear in this market they advertise and sponsor teams with the idea they're getting something back target center you know people that that do it with vikings the, the corporations that uh, that have uh, sponsorship deals with the wolves, the wild. The whole idea is that there's going to be a return on that investment, right. the advertising. Well, what return investment are you going to get given to an NIL that you're going to help keep a running back home? Well, how does that benefit the company? I mean, it doesn't. Um, there, there's got to be a. Uh, they're in it to make money. These uh, when you advertise with someone or you market with somebody, the whole idea is that you're going to have eyeballs on your product, and then that's going to um, there's going to be a reciprocal uh, financial payoff for that. Well, if you're giving money just to an NIL, it's like, what's what's in it for the company? And so it, it has to be boosters. And and there is a tier uh, in the Big Ten that is um, a notch above everybody. Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Nebraska. And I, I know Iowa's, Iowa's is strong too. And so um, that's, that's just a factor. And I think they, I think they have some wealthy boosters. I think they have um, some corporations that have, have helped them in that regard. So it's, it's, it, I mean, it's just a factor. And, and that is the NIL world is so uh, prevalent now. And there's so much dialogue and conversation about um, how that, you know, impacts recruiting transfers, what have you. And it's, it's, you can't talk to a coach today, a college coach today, without it coming up within the first five minutes. Well, I mean, and so if, yeah, go ahead. No, go, go, I'm sorry. I was going to say, if that's the case, I don't. I mean, and we've talked about this before. This is not a surprise, but like, if that's the case, I don't like where this is headed 
for the Gophers, right? Well, like if their NIL is bad, they had a five and seven season. You're seeing already like, you know, a couple of these big time recruits that they had, you know, they, they gotten verbals for. You've got the one Coy is maybe going to go to Ohio State. Now you got the one from from Prior Lake that's going to um, you know, it's going to USC now, and I'm sure NIL is a factor somewhere in there. And so is the prestige of the program. That was always going to happen at, at a certain level, right? Like you make a verbal, some guy has a great senior season, and all of a sudden his profile raises and they sign somewhere else. That's going to happen. But it's only going to become more when these programs that have such a bigger collective are able to then poach these kind of guys that teams are ready to take a chance on that are that are now more known commodities like where does it, it just feels like a downward spiral that's hard to stop when you when you factor in nil into the equation and that's why we've been screaming from the mountaintops everybody who loves college sports or is involved in it is you know yeah i will say the gophers have come miles yes miles from where they were last year dinky town athletes uh derek and his partner who run that have just done yeoman's work to to build that up and it's really it's a it's a grassroots get people involved and they were able to keep Darius Taylor their yep. star running back uh, yep. with NIL and you look at all the guys that have come back that decided to stay what did they say in their social media posts coming yep. back for another year Dinky Town athletes right. and that was that was not just hey let's <laughs> it was all not these, a coincidence it wasn't a coincidence it was no. a marketing campaign and yeah. more people to get more people involved and so the way it's explained to me is they're not going to be able to compete with the tops. So if, if Oregon wants to come and get a, which I, this is the part about NIL. Let me do a little rant tangent on this. Yeah, I, was all for, I was all for NIL for years. I go back 10 years. I was saying they need to change the model and adopt the Olympic model in college sports that these athletes should be able to profit from their popularity, from yeah. their success. So I'm all for NIL, but not to what it's become where, schools are poaching and tampering with athletes on other rosters, enticing him to leave to come here uh, for a big NIL package. That's not what it's meant to be. It's meant to be if Mohammed, Mohammed Ibrahim comes and has a really great career at Minnesota and Gushers wants to have him promoted, if a car dealership wants him to sponsorship, if somebody wants to do an autograph signing or make a TikTok video for something – that's what NIL is meant for. It's not meant to poach athletes off rosters. And so that part bugs me. And I don't know how they, you know, it might take legislation to get that figured out. And we can talk about the thing that the uh, well, NCAA president came, but, but the, the Gophers are in, the, if, if, as it says right now, if somebody from one of these big schools, Texas A&M, sure. Oregon, that if they're going to offer $1 million or whatever to, one of their athletes, they can't compete it. But I think they are in the ballpark with those mid-tier teams that they're able to kind of give their uh, – prioritize that, you know, their star athletes because that's what you have to do to keep – you know, give them enough money for them to stay here. So, Mike, we may not like this. We may not like the way college sports are going and this path that's going down. But I, it's not changing. No. Right? And if you saw – the, the new university president, uh, Charlie Baker, came out last week and he sent a letter to the, all the divisional schools with the proposal of yeah. a, a new FBS uh, subdivision where basically schools break away and they have they create their own set of rules in regards to NIL, paying players, profit sharing, roster sizes. So, you know, there's a lot of things that would have to be solved uh, before that happens. But the fact that the 
NCAA president is bringing that up tells you it's going to happen sooner than later. Would the Gophers be a part of that upper tier, do we think? I think you have to, Mike, because you don't want to be seen as a big step down from them because you think it's hard to recruit now. Imagine trying to recruit where against all these schools that have a minimum that they're going to pay players and there's profit sharing and they're handling their own NIL. What would be your sales pitch against that? You know, and they have the TV money. They I mean, the, big, right. and the you may, so you'd have to, you may not like it, but I just, to sit out, I don't know that that's what they're going to want to do. So, I mean, it's, it's so hard to even fathom five years from now, what this is going to look like. Um, but to get back to the original report with Joe Rossi, like that's, yeah. Is that a factor when you're going, when you're having to recruit and you know, you have a healthy NIL to sell to, to athletes. That's a, that's a, a box to check when you're, when you're starting to do the calculus. And I don't necessarily dislike it. I just dislike it for the Gophers. Like I f- and I feel like they need to fence this in a little bit to the point where you're saying where this was never intended to be this kind of like creating haves and have-nots. It was creating it was created as a reward system for standout athletes who are before they turn pro. Like, hey, how do you, how are they able to profit on the fact that they're making millions of dollars for these places? They shouldn't be, you know, they should they should have that opportunity. They absolutely should. I don't necessarily dislike that model. I, I do think they could create some rules around it. What I'm saying especially is that this is, I, you just look at all the warning signs and you're like, yeah, I, I we'll get to some good news for the Gophers in a minute. Like they got some portal kids in, they got a running back from Indiana that should help. Like it's not all doom and gloom, but the, the, the places they're kind of picking and choosing from are a little bit different than the places the other people are choosing from. Well, it is. And, and you know, it, look at the number of coaches that have come out this year, uh, football coaches, Flack was one, the Kentucky coach. And it's kind of all of those middle, middle of the road programs that, yeah. that, you know, are going to be hurt by having their best players lured away with big, I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars deal. I mean, I don't think Matt Rule, the Nebraska coach, he wasn't being flippant when he said an right. NIL quarterback, or a quarterback out of the portal at, at the FBS level or, or a power five level is going to cost you a million to $2 million in, in, in IO money. I mean, that's a fact. I mean, PJ flex said it's absolutely what you have to pay. And so, and so you look at it, I mean, they got a quarterback transfer from New Hampshire. That's not to say he can't succeed. That's not to say, right. but if, if uh, you know, the quarterback that just left Ohio state, Cal McCord is looking at Nebraska. Funny. They have a very, successful and healthy, robust NIL program. That's just, you know, and I don't know, again, the Gophers are making great strides, but I just don't know that they're ever going to be in that ballpark with those programs that, with the wealthy donors that just are happy to spend their money, you know, in on on the athletic programs, because you just see like some of these SEC schools and what they're willing to pay. I mean, Jimbo Fisher, their boat, yeah. their donors were willing to buy off that, you know, <laughs> well, like contract. $90 million. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Would they, the final point on this, then I want to move to a Vikings thing quick. Would they benefit then, do you think from new NCAA rules that made this less dependent on boosters and donors and more kind of like, Hey, this is, if you can fund it, if you can like pull this out of your own budget with, with TV money, whatever it is, if you can fund it through that, then do it that way. Yeah. And that's, that was one of the proposals that, uh, the the new president uh, Charlie right. Baker admitted that that the NIL would shift from the collective, the independent uh, collective, onto the school. So right. now the, the schools would, but it would be a, a 
there would be a floor. It yes. you talked about a minimum that you'd have to pay. And so, okay, what's your minimum minimum compared to Texas A and M's or Oregon's or Alabama's? Yeah. Uh, that's the thing you have to be. I don't know if worried or whatever because you know this TV deal that all the Big Ten schools are getting um, is going to supply them with a lot of cash, but. Could they put a maximum on it if they're going to put a minimum on I mean, it? I don't know. Well, that, that's the thing. I mean, they, they basically said you make up the rules, even to roster yeah. sizes. Roster yeah. sizes and basically you guys go figure out what your rules are and, and have at it. And so they could say there's a floor. They could say there's a ceiling. And, you know, you'd have to come to agreement on that, obviously. But that it would be interesting to see those discussions on um, – because at least then – I'm not saying you'd do away with all the kind of shenanigans that we see, but right. at least you would have ground rules that you're all operating yeah. under now. And because right now it's, you know, you hear about tampering and schools calling yeah. these players and saying, you know, name the price or what would it take to get you to come here? That's not what NIL is supposed no. to be about. No. Well, there's more to come. Sorry to rant. Been, Sorry to rant no, it's, no, it's Chris. Is, I mean, this is what I wanted to get into with you because I, I know you have strong feelings about it, and this has been such an interesting off season for the Gophers so far. I mean, we're still right in the middle of portal season. I mean, it almost feels like signing day is an af- it's not an afterthought still, but signing day is next week. Like NIL means more than NLI at this point. <laughs> well, and uh, I will say the thing I do like about the portal is you can plug holes right away. You know, sure. you have to get the right guys is you're not saying you're, you're going to bat a thousand uh, on those. And, and there were some this year that the Gophers quite honestly just missed on, but then you look at, Hey, they needed a linebacker a couple years ago. Jack Gibbons came in here from Christian Abilene Christian and played just fabulous. And he's, you know, starter in the NFL now. So you can plug holes. And that's what PJ's his staff is doing right now. They got a running back from Indiana. Um, I think they're bringing in some from, right, quarterback, quarterback obviously, uh, I think a defensive lineman, thanks some wide receivers. And I got to be honest, when I looked at their roster this year, I'm not being facetious when I say it. I'd almost bring in a portal transfer at every position because you just don't know who's going to be coming and going. Like, yeah. Did we, you know, a year ago this time, was it, were we ever guess that Ethan Calic Manis would no. be gone? No. So you no. just don't know. You no. don't know. Let's move on for a moment. Vikings are going to have their fourth starting quarterback in 14 games this season when they turn it over to Nick Mullins on Saturday. Um, find that We found that out from Kevin O'Connell on Tuesday. Not a surprise, I think, based on uh, the 3-0 win over the Raiders on Sunday. But uh, well, what's your, uh, aside from this being the, the, the logical move at this point, what do you make yeah. of going to Mullins now? Yeah, there's. Uh, I know he didn't want to name Mullins right after uh, because of the timing and everything on Monday. There was no way he was going to go back to Dobbs. No, uh, I don't think so. You just couldn't after you replace the quarterback that was ineffective, and Mullins, you know, comes in and gives him a spark, and he gets the the drive, he gets the field goal. I just think they, you know, they spent so much time really just trying to play catch up with Dobbs, and they used the off week, the bye week to try to script the offense around and do different things that might maximize his skill set. It still wasn't as much as I thought it might be. Yeah, I'm going to get to that in it a was, minute. It was, you know, um, we saw some read option, not a lot. Um, I, I think I just remember like one bootleg to Hawkinson. Um, 
I think we just got so the first two weeks where he knew nothing and just basically improvised and freelance. And we thought it was going to look more like that than structured uh, pocket stuff. But when you, when it was just so ineffective coming off a week of really intensive conversations between O'Connell and Dobbs and like, how can we make this thing work? The turnovers went away, but there just wasn't, it just wasn't clicking. And no. it was, so it made it, it made it, I thought the dis- decision easy for him to just say, let's go to the guy who's been in the system, who knows who's been around here for more than a couple of weeks, who knows the personnel. Um, you know, there's, there's a ceiling there, but right. at least you feel comfortable that he knows the offense and has been around here for enough time that he can uh, operate this thing. And so, you know, it's, it's crazy. You think they're, this is going to be their fourth different starting quarterback. I mean, it just yeah. doesn't happen in, in no. the NFL. Um, um, yeah. So, yeah. So it's not a big surprise. It's not. I just, one, one thought I'll leave you with. I've, I've thought about this a lot and talked about this a lot already. Like I, the point you were making earlier is one I've made is that I feel like they asked Dobbs to do a lot more of what they wanted him to do versus them doing a lot of what Dobbs does best. I, I, I think this was, Again, I don't think Dobbs is maybe not the right quarterback for, but I think he's certainly not the right quarterback for this system, but he certainly has strengths as part of the reason I thought he was still their best choice against the Raiders going into that game. I I feel like it's just kind of telling the inflexibility of the lack of creativity, maybe of not being able to tailor something around his strengths and kind of kind of putting him into a box a little bit more of what you want him to do. I, I don't think, I don't think Kevin, I don't think this was Kevin O'Connell's finest coaching hour. Yeah. And, and I struggle with that because clearly the Chicago game, I think O'Connell came out of there and said, I didn't do enough to tailor the offense to what Josh Dobbs. They were trying to ask him to be a pocket passer. That's not who he is. So I think they tried to do some different things but you're asking the coach to really radicalize that how they how he coaches that position, the whole scheme, what they asking him to do, and I just you know there's I think there's only so far he's willing to go on that. Yeah, and without just completely overhauling everything, now you're you know you're redesigning your entire offense. I, I, I think he probably just said, okay, we. We'll give a little bit more in that area, but um, it, when you saw the results, it's like it, there was nothing there. Yeah. I mean, the accuracy and, and stuff. So I, I, you know, it's kind of the cliched answer, but you know, when the more you watch, you see why he's been on so many teams now. That's yeah. just hard for him to stick. And so uh, I think you go with Mullins and see if uh, he can the defense. If you can just win, kind of slugfest, and his defense can. Uh, do play the way that, Mike. This this defense is number five in scoring defense it's in amazing. the NFL. Yeah, you talk about in one year. I know. And so, can they score enough points? Can they? Uh, you know, if Jefferson's back, can you know? Can they get? They got to get more out of their offense, but it's just I think they're just going to have to win a much different way than we what became accustomed to last year. Yeah, that's true. We'll see if it works, or we'll see if there's another twist and turn along the way. There's still four games left. We never know. And they can chip, they control their own destiny. If they win out, they win the division. It's crazy. I mean, that tells you the state of the NFC. And the state is funny. I got to, I'll have a comment on this later this week. But we talked about 
talked to some guys, uh, Dalton Reisner, about this today. Just like when you look at the 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 standings, it's yeah. just like nobody's out of it. You know, nobody's out of it. Are, like every game, those like every game comes down to the last minute, and then every even like the lines are all like minus two, minus three. It's like everything is close. I feel like there's two good teams and everybody's six and six or seven. Yeah. So, you know, it's like and the good teams could still lose every week. Like the Dolphins just coughed up like a 14 point lead in the last three minutes to the Titans. Like what is that? What happens? I know it's, it's, you know what the, uh, the venerable Sid Hartman say, What? crazy league, crazy week. <laughs> Jeff, appreciate it, Jim. Hopefully I'll be back with, we'll be back with another crazy week sometime soon. <laughs> All right, brother. See you, man. Thanks again to Chip. Always appreciate having him on. And yeah, he's right. Uh, there's a lot of big weeks, a lot of newsy weeks. Uh, I'm sure he'll be back on sooner rather than later because always brings the good stuff. Let's finish with the cooler. One thing that uh, caught my eye with, uh, caught my ear, I guess, with uh, the announcement Tuesday of the quarterback switch is that they haven't decided on a backup for the game. They, they haven't said if Josh Dobbs or Jaron Hall will be the backup on uh, on Saturday against the Bengals. That's interesting to me because that's not something where you need to use any kind of like subterfuge. You're not going to like make an opponent uh, prepare for a backup. You could easily just go and name a backup right now and uh, and say it's going to be either Hall or Dobbs. If, if Dobbs went all the way down to number three on the depth chart, that would be interesting to me. It also would show a certain amount of confidence in Hall both in his progression this season and his progression from coming back from that concussion that knocked him out of the Falcons game and set him down this set us down this path that we are on right now. Also, go for men's basketball. Good win on uh, on Tuesday night. A blowout win. They're kind of you know, feasting on some some cupcakes right now, but that's what they should do. They should make those games lopsided and not close. And uh, if they're able to do that, at least maybe showing some signs of life this season, you know, had that good win against Nebraska, taking care of business against some of these non-conference opponents. So we'll see where that's headed. But good win for them on Tuesday. Good to take care of business in that way. Speaking of taking care of business, big Wolves game on Thursday at Dallas. Chris Hine will join me on Thursday's show to talk about that. Set that up. 17-5, and five, Timberwolves lost their last game against the Pelicans. Tough stretch of games right now. We will learn a lot about them in the next 15 games or so. Chris and I will break that down on Thursday's show. Until then, I am Michael Rand. Thanks again. Back at it again tomorrow. <laughs>